Welcome to another health literacy and psychosocial uh, visual session organized by SAOPA, a non-profit making organization for the prevention of transmission of HIV and AIDS. SAOPA delivers the following programs, healthy youth development, health literacy and psychosocial support, empowerment, skills development and training. The objectives of the health literacy and psychosocial support programs are to improve the general knowledge and understanding of chronic diseases, to promote adherence and healthy lifestyle, to enhance the coping mechanisms and mental health of everybody, everyone, including young people who are on chronic medications, family caregivers, as well as community healthcare workers. Ladies and gentlemen, you may all agree with me that medical or taking your medicines as prescribed or what you call medical adherence is important for the management of chronic conditions, treating temporary conditions and the overall long-term health and well-being. A personal connection with your health care provider is of utmost important and it is an important part of medication adherence. Well, I'm not an expert, but today we are privileged to have in our midst someone, a dedicated and passionate uh, health uh, practitioner who's going to talk to us on chronic illnesses and adherence. She is a passionate, as already alluded to, um, healthcare uh, 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 practitioner with a very with a very keen interest, you know, in holistic wellness. She has a wealth of experience in healthcare, uh, in, in healthcare, both in the uh, public as well as in the private sector. Currently, she is responsible for the management of HIV and AIDS and wellness programs, including the management of modern um, modern ailments such as tuberculosis, diabetes, high blood pressure, and cholesterol. She is a panelist of the Independent Tribunal for Social Assistance Appeals. She's also a member of HPCSA Professional uh, a, a Conduct Committee, as well as, as well as a member of the Assistance Professional Association of South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause to Dr. Noloazi. Oh, and she's got another name, Nightingale Futuka, who's going to address us on is going to address us on disease diseases and adherence to treatment. Over to you, Dr. Putuka. Thank you so much, Cynthia. And thank you to our listeners and viewers. Okay. I'm gonna start sharing the screen now. <clears throat> Okay, awesome. So for today, our topic is cardiovascular diseases. The overview for my presentation is going to be as follows. I will touch on definition so that we can be on the same level. We'll go through a number of forms of heart disease. We'll talk about causes and risk factors. We'll also discuss symptoms. And finally, we'll talk about treatment and adherence. So what is cardiovascular disease? Cardiovascular disease, also known as heart disease, is a general term used for conditions that affect the heart or blood vessels. And it is usually associated with a buildup of fatty deposits inside your arteries, which is referred to as atherosclerosis, or an increase of blood clots. Before we go into detail about cardiovascular diseases, let's just share a few facts about cardiovascular disease. Cardiovascular diseases are the leading causes of death globally. 
and um, 17.9 million people died from cardiovascular diseases in 2019. Of these deaths, 85% were due to heart attack and stroke. More than 75% of cardiovascular deaths take place in low and middle income countries. And um, out of the 17 million premature deaths, that is deaths of people under 70 years of age, due, are due to non-communicable diseases in 2019. And 38% of those were caused by cardiovascular diseases. Most cardiovascular diseases can be prevented by addressing behavioral risk factors that we discussed last week. Okay, now let's come to the forms of cardiovascular disease. The most common cardiovascular known is coronary heart disease. What is this coronary heart disease? It's uh, a disease of the blood vessels supplying the heart muscle. And then this condition results actually from a buildup of plaque on the inside of the arteries, which reduces the blood flow to the heart and it increases the risk of a heart attack and other heart complications. Another form of heart disease is congenital heart, de heart defect. The word congenital simply means you were born with it. So congenital heart defects are birth defects that affect the normal development of the heart, of the functioning of the heart caused by malformations of the heart structure from birth. Okay, the other form that I'd like us to just talk about is cerebrovascular disease. Cerebrovascular disease is a disease of the blood vessels that supply the brain. And then peripheral arterial disease is a disease of blood vessels supplying the arms and the legs. Uh, you know, with people who smoke a lot, may end up presenting with, we, we, we usually say they have peripheral vascular disease and it presents with uh, skin discoloration. You get a bluish discoloration of the tips of the fingers and the legs. Another, form of heart disease that is well known is your heart valve disorders. Um, the heart has four valves. So any of the four valves can be affected by your um, heart valve disorders. And then the other form of heart disease that we can talk about is rheumatic heart disease. What is rheumatic heart disease? Rheumatic heart disease results as a damage to the heart muscle and the heart valves from rheumatic fever, which is caused by a streptococcal bacterial infection. Another heart disease that we know is a weak heart muscle, commonly known as cardiomyopathy, and uh, another one would be your deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism. Deep vein thrombosis is common in, in, in your females who are 40, who are 50, who are fat, and it presents with veins. Heart attacks and strokes, which are the most common heart conditions, especially globally, as well as in South Africa. Uh, we know that uh, heart attacks and strokes both result from 
and lack of blood flow to a critical body part. It is mainly caused by a blockage that prevents blood from flowing to the heart. This is known as heart attack or from the brain that is known as a stroke. The most common reason for this buildup, for this, for this condition is a buildup of fatty deposits on the inner walls of the blood vessels that supply the heart or the brain. And strokes can also be caused by bleeding from a blood vessel in the brain or from the formation of clots. Okay, now moving on to the causes and risk factors for cardiovascular disease. We spoke about these a lot last week. We mentioned that an unhealthy diet is a risk factor for chronic diseases as well as cardiovascular diseases. By unhealthy, just to refresh our memories, it's a high-fat diet, a high-salt diet, or you know, a diet that consists of not enough fruits, not enough vegetables. And um, we've also, we also spoke about um, physical inactivity as being a risk factor. We also mentioned tobacco use, not only active smoking, as well as passive smoking. And we mentioned excessive alcohol use. Remember, these are behavioral risk factors that are modifiable. And how do these risk factors show up in individuals, in patients? They may present as a raised blood pressure. They may present as raised blood glucose. They may also present as raised um, lipids, either raised cholesterol or raised triglycerides. So um, reduction of salt in the diet, eating more fruits and vegetables as we had last week and from our other presenters, regular physical activity, cessation of tobacco use, or not even starting if you have not started, and avoiding harmful use of alcohol have been shown to reduce the risk of cardiovascular diseases. Okay, we also have determinants of cardiovascular disease. Uh, you know, before we started, we were talking about other things that may affect uh, humans as being, you know, coming from a low-income class, coming from a middle income class. It's not only your, your, other, your, your, your behavioral factors that you mentioned, but you've also got determinants of cardiovascular disease. By this, what do we mean? Hereditary factors. If you are born in a family that has high blood pressure, you are predisposed to having high blood pressure, unless of course you make sure that you prevent yourself from getting high blood pressure. If you are born in a family that has hereditary uh, lipid disorders, you may also have lipid disorders. So it is important to actually watch what you eat, watch how you take care of yourself, meaning self-care is very important if you also have hereditary factors. It may prevent you from getting the conditions. We have also discovered that aging predisposes you to having um, cardiovascular diseases. And poverty also predisposes you. I think poverty predisposes you simply because you may not have access to you know, your healthy foods. You may not have access to transport. You may not be able to go to your clinic, to go see your nurses, your doctors for your follow-up. So that may also uh, determine your risk of cardiovascular disease. 
We also have stress as a factor. We discussed stress in detail last week, and we saw the effects of stress on the human body amongst those which was the risk of cardiovascular disease. Okay, let's see. Right. Okay, um, I just want to... Okay, I just want us to have an interactive session because I've been talking and talking. So just to see if we are on the same path. Uh, what do you think could be, which conditions do you think could be predisposing us to, or predisposing patients to cardiovascular disease? You heard I mentioned some of the, uh, what do you call it? The behavioral modi modifiable factors. And I also mentioned uh, your fact other factors besides the modifiable risk factors. Which conditions do you think could predispose you to cardiovascular disease? Can I just see by a show of hands, thumbs, if there's anyone who wants to say something, or maybe by just putting in the chat group, and I can read it out to all of us who are here. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay. Oh okay, then it's fine. Let's go back to the slides and uh, I'll, we'll definitely ask more questions later. Okay, I just see now from Tongs who says being exposed to smokers. Yes, that's being a passive smoker. Okay, thank you. We've also got aging. Um, aging, yes, thank uh, you. Unhealthy diet. Unhealthy diet, thank you. Not enough exercise. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> okay, so I can see I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> awesome. Okay, let's go back to the the slideshow. So Proper, proper management of chronic conditions like your hypertension, diabetes mellitus, and high blood lipids is very crucial for the reduction of cardiovascular disease and prevention of heart attacks and strokes among patients with these conditions. Why do we say so? What do we understand by high blood pressure? Remember, high blood pressure is when your blood pressure reading is anything above 130 over 80. Sometimes it is acceptable to say 140 over 80. And what contributes towards that? Your unhealthy diet, eating a diet that is full, high of um, salt and sodium, eating a diet that is also high in fats and being physically inactive. So you see when you are hypertensive and you take good care of yourself, you will most certainly ensure that you eat healthy and you exercise, thus minimizing your chances of getting your cardiovascular disease and also preventing heart attacks and strokes, especially in, in a patient with such a condition. And then um, diabetes, diabetes mellitus is a very 
it's a, it's a controllable disease if you take your medication. However, if you do not take your medication well, it may increase your chances of getting heart attacks and strokes as much as the, the high blood pressure mentioned just now when we started presenting again. And um, it is very crucial that we control the blood glucose such that we reduce your chances of getting of getting um, heart attacks and strokes. And another important factor is your reduction in the blood lipids. These refers to your cholesterol. This refers to your triglycerides. Cholesterol, ideally, the cholesterol should be less than five for any human being who does not have any comorbid conditions. However, if you have a comorbid condition, your, your cholesterol should be ideally less than 4,5. So how is that achieved? This is best achieved through taking your medication. This is also best achieved through exercising. And it is also best achieved through eating the right, the right food, avoiding your high fat containing foods, avoiding too much salt in your diet as well. And then we, okay, coming to the symptoms of cardiovascular disease. Why is a heart attack often called a silent killer? It is because your doctor may not diagnose the disease until you show signs. That is, you show signs of a heart attack or you show signs of heart failure. Symptoms vary according to a specific condition. You may present with pain or discomfort in the center of the chest, or you may present with pain or discomfort in the arms, the left shoulder, the elbows, the jaw, or the back. In addition to that, a person may also experience difficulty in breathing or shortness of breath, nausea or vomiting, you may feel a little bit lightheaded or faintness, lightheaded when you get up from a sitting position, you may feel like you're off balance or you want to fall. Or from a when you get up from a lying position, you feel like you're going to fall or you feel like, you know, a little bit dizzy. That is um, lightheadedness. You may feel a cold sweat and you may also turn pale. According to WHO, women are more likely than men to have shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, and back or jaw pain. The most common symptom of a stroke is sudden weakness of the face, the arm, or the leg. Most often, it's on the one side of the body. Other symptoms include a sudden onset of numbness of the face or leg, especially on the one side of the body. It may also include confusion. You may have difficulty speaking, or you may, you may, you know, you may have difficulty in understanding speech. You may find yourself not being able to, you know, to move your lips. It may also present with difficulty seeing with either one eye or both eyes. You may also present with difficulty in walking, dizziness, and or loss of balance or coordination. Some patients may present with severe headache with no known cause and fainting or unconsciousness. 
Uh, I've had quite a number of patients who have, you know, the one patient went to the bathroom in the middle of the night around 3 a.m. While sitting on the chair, on the toilet seat, she couldn't get up. She couldn't get up at all and she could not even speak. Fortunately, the person that was sleeping with them was wondering why, where they were. And when they went to check up on them, they found them not able to even walk. She could not even get off the toilet seat. She had to be dragged into the bedroom and she never managed to walk. So what I'm trying to say is with a, a stroke, you need to get help, to seek help as soon as possible. The first few six, the first six hours of a stroke patient are very critical if you want to reverse uh, the stroke permanently. Uh, just to give you feedback on that patient now, she was hospitalized for about a month and she fully recovered. She was rehabilitated. She was working as a domestic worker. And now as we speak, she is fully recovered because she got help within the first six hours of her stroke. Okay, so let's get to the different conditions. Uh, heart arrhythmia, what is heart arrhythmia? It's when the heart beats either fast or slow. The normal heart rate is between 60 and 100. So if you have a heart rate that is, you know, below your 50 or below 40, that is referred to as an arrhythmia. If you have a very fast heart rate and you are not exercising, you are resting. A heart rate above 110, 120 resting heart rate, that is not normal. It's referred to as heart arrhythmia. And how does that present? A patient may present with dizziness. They may present with lightheadedness. They may present with short, I mean, shortness of breath or even chest pains. And then your congenital heart defect that we referred to earlier uh, may present with skin discoloration. Remember, this is a birth defect. Uh, you may have a child presenting with bluish or pale color. They may also present with swelling of the legs or even swelling of the stomach. Patients are easily tired and may also present with shortness of breath. Another condition is the disease of the heart muscle, also referred to as cardiomyopathy. Patients who have cardiomyopathy present with uh, tiredness and breathlessness on physical exertion. We are not talking about someone who is unfit, who just started exercising today and they present with breathlessness and tiredness. We are talking about someone who maybe has been exercising, has been, you know, just more walking, mild exertion, walking at a slow pace and present with breathlessness and tiredness. That is not common. I mean, that is not expected. So you need to suspect, you need to have a high index of suspicion that you may be having a cardiac condition. Patients who may also present with dizziness, they may present with swelling of the legs, they may present with swelling of the ankles, swelling of the feet, and they may also present with bloated stomach. Okay, before we get to heart infection, a patient who has heart failure may also present with swelling of the legs and dizziness as well. They may also present with breathlessness, tiredness on physical exertion. So we can see that these, these symptoms are nonspecific. They occur in almost all of these conditions. So you need to have a high index of suspicion, number one, that you have a cardiac disease, and then you need to consult your treating doctor 
will wake you up so that they can determine the kind of disease that you have. Another condition is your heart infection, which may present with tiredness. You may present with coughing. You may also present with a skin rash. You may have an irregular heartbeat. A regular heartbeat goes like So irregular heartbeats may go like ding, 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 ding. And you may also present with swelling in the legs and the stomach. So you need to seek any medical attention if you have any signs and symptoms of heart problems, because we can see that it will not be easy for you as a patient to diagnose yourself. But if you have a suspicion, you go to the clinic, you tell them what you have, and you ask them to, to wake you up and treat you for, for the condition. Okay, before we go on to treatment, let's have a, an interactive session. And maybe we can just stand and stretch our legs just for two seconds and not just sit and uh, sit without doing anything. And I suppose, Tons, you are happy to hear me say that because we know that we should not just sit and not move or anything. Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. And as you are discussing this, I see the importance of. Um, of exercise, you know, it's, it's, it's vital. I mean, it's critical for every kind of disease. I mean, you can even prevent uh, any kind of disease when you, in, when, you, when you exercise. So I'm very happy to hear you saying that I'm about to get up and do my walk. Yeah, just a two-minute leg stretch and just to allow the circulation to flow. Yeah. Attempting to launch their manifesto. <laughs> 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 uh, I had my exercise, so I did some stretching. Mm, I think so. I, I, I was just thinking um, now. Dr. Nolwazi, while you were, you were busy stretching, I was just thinking that whilst, whilst, while there is the, the medical, um, how may I put it, you know, medical um, whatever interventions that are there to address some of the ailments that we, 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 we suffer from or we encounter, we, there are other non-medical um, interventions that we can engage on. I think exercise being, being one, you know, um, it's exercise being one, uh, and also, you know, the diet issue. I mean, nutrition plays a very, very crucial role in terms of you know, our, our health and wellness. So, you know, um, it's important that we look at it, you know, holistically rather than saying that, you know, you only want, you know, your medical, you know, attention. Um, and not, not forgetting that, you know, I think as Tongi said last week, you know, you are what you eat, you know. So what you put in our body is very, 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 very mm -hmm. crucial. So in a way, we do have an in, also an impact or influence on some of the, um, the, 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 the conditions, you know, that we normally encounter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Can I make a comment? Yes, please. You are yeah. welcome. I, I, I think I, I, I try and imagine the heart as being like a leg muscle. It is a muscle. It's a very, very powerful. It's the, it's a very, it's the most hardworking muscle in the body, I presume, because it never stops. 
So it's always, yeah, it's, it's always working and it's a pump and there's a pump system that there's a whole pipe network. There's a whole network of veins and arteries that it has to pump blood through. And, and the easier we can make a helper to get this blood flow through uh, um, by keeping cholesterol down and diabetes down, all those sort of things, the, the, the easier the blood will flow through. And that always, okay, that always comes back to exercise because the more exercise we, we, we get, obviously, the more we are uh, um, working this muscle, the more we are creating uh, a, a load for it to, to carry. And it's, so, it's just so important. Uh, the exercise is, is, is really jumping out at me today, just like um, diet was jumping out to Thongi. So um, that's, yeah, that's my little contribution. That's what's happening with Thank me you. as Thank you so much, Patrick. You know, regular physical activity is very important. And like Tongi said last week, you, it doesn't mean you need to belong to a gym. It doesn't mean you need to run. Walking around the block, walking on the same spot. Yes, imagine definitely. Keeping, uh, doing your garden as well. And, yes. and also cleaning, you know, doing house, household chores. That's yeah. also part of exercise. So regular exercise is very important. Like we heard from Tongi, 30 to 40 minutes of exercise, three to five days a week. Yes. You know, is, is your best doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Norwaz. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go back to the presentation if there are no more comments. I think Thong wants to say something. Okay. Yeah. No, I just had uh, to <laughs> emphasize that uh, just by doing 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes as a start, you know, because as time goes on, one can 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 do more. But just and just knowing that you are actually preventing a disease for me, that is uh, after after hearing you giving us such uh, informative. Um, points just starting uh, an exercise routine may actually prevent you from any kind of disease and if you've got can lower you know the the, the severity of the disease that's it thank you thank you so much and and you know the fact that um by following a healthy eating diet by exercising we've had patients whose um, blood pressure, blood glucose has gone down. And we've had to even adjust uh, their treatment. So it just gets back to the fact that eating right, exercising, quitting smoking, drinking in moderation, and taking your medication, of course, and only stopping it once the doctor has said, you can stop, or once the doctor has said, we can now decrease the dose of medication that you're taking. You know, that, that does wonders for, for patients. Thank you guys for sharing. I'm gonna go back to presentation to the presentation. Okay, so we said seeking any medical intervention if you have any signs and symptoms of the heart problem and allowing the clinic or the doctor to manage you. Now let's go to treatment. Heart disease depends on the condition as we've had and lifestyle modification is really the mainstay of treatment. Quitting smoking is advocated for patients who are smoking and we always say if you don't smoke don't even start. Don't smoke. If you don't know what um, smoking is don't even tempt yourself because it is not easy to stop. Choosing a healthy diet 
a diet that is low in fat, a diet that is low in fat and salt, a diet that has lots of fruits and vegetables, and preferably eating your fruits and some of the vegetables with the skin. Regular physical activity, we have just shared now the importance of exercising and keeping your weight and waist size down. The most dangerous fat is around your belly. And I don't even want to say who has such much fat amongst the, you know, the genders. I'm just going to say whether you are male or female, we need to keep your weight down and your waist size down. And finally, of course, you need to drink alcohol in moderation. So what are we saying? Remember we heard that blood pressure predisposes you to cardiovascular disease. So how best can we prevent you from getting cardiovascular disease and stroke? You need to know that you have blood pressure and we need to keep it under control. If you are on medication, you need to take your medication as prescribed as well as lifestyle modification as mentioned previously. And then another crucial thing that we spoke about is diabetes. We said diabetes predisposes you to cardiovascular disease and stroke. Moreover, uncontrolled diabetes. So if you are a diabetic, you need to be tested for diabetes. You need to have your blood glucose checked ideally every month. If, 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 if you can, as a patient, it would be best for you to invest in a glucometer. And then you check your blood glucose either in the mornings or in the evenings. And just to know that your glucose is kept within the normal range. Normal blood glucose ranges between four and seven. So if you keep your blood glucose below seven as a non-diabetic, that is perfect. If you are diabetic, we often say at least it should be less than 10. And as a, a you know, and you need to keep it under control. Diabetes not only affects cardiovascular disease risk, diabetes also affects your eyes. Diabetes also affects your kidneys. We spoke about the diabetic foot last week. So it is important that we go to the clinic, we have it tested, or if we are looking after our, I mean, if we are healthcare workers or loved ones, just to encourage and motivate um, the patients in the house, in the family, to take their medication. And just to remind, you know, it's nice if you have someone who reminds you, who says, did you take your medication? Oh, did you check your blood glucose? What was your blood glucose today? Was it fine? Was it high? If it's high, you can always uh, either consult or you make sure you watch what you eat. And the other thing we said is um, your, your cholesterol. We have cholesterol levels. We have triglycerides. So you need to know your cholesterol level and keep it under control. Total cholesterol, I said, if you have comorbid conditions, it should be less than 4,5 millimoles per liter. And then you also have your low-density lipoprotein cholesterol as well. I was talking about total cholesterol, which should be 4.5 and less. And your low-density lipoprotein cholesterol should also be less than 1.8 and your high-density lipoprotein, which is your good fat, should be above 1.2 in women and above 1 in men. And your triglycerides should be less than 1.7. So if you know your cholesterol levels and you have high cholesterol problems, you should ensure that it is kept under control 
because it will predispose you to cardiac disease. And another important factor that we spoke about now as we were talking is you need to get sufficient quality of rest and sleep. The body is designed to cure itself, but only if you get enough sleep, you get enough rest, will it recover from whatever conditions it may have. Okay, I think we have seen from the previous slides that lifestyle modification, eating healthy, exercising, not smoking, drinking in moderation is the mainstay of treatment for heart disease. However, if, doesn't, if that does not work, a doctor will prescribe medication to reduce your risk of heart attack or stroke. The medication will depend on the condition that you have. If you have high blood pressure, you will also be on antihypertensives, which are tablets that drop your blood pressure. And you will also be on a treatment that prevents blood clotting. Remember we said blood clots also predispose you to cardiovascular disease. So you may be put, depending on your disease profile, you may be put on blood clotting and medication, your warfarin. And if you are taking medication that prevents blood clotting, you need to be monitored by the doctor, or the hospital, the clinic. You need to know your levels. You need to know how much you're taking and you need to be extra careful because should you have an injury, chances are high that you might bleed uncontrollably. And should you be hospitalized when you're on a clotting fat, blood clot, I mean, a medication that prevents blood clotting, you need to inform the doctors, you need to inform the hospital, the clinic, so that you can be managed accordingly. And then you may also have, if, if for example, your, the lifestyle modification is not working, the medication is not working, you may have a medical procedure where you, which is referred to as angioplasty to control your condition. This is usually done for coronary artery disease. Remember we said coronary artery disease is, is, is as a result of a buildup of fat in the body, I mean in the blood, in the blood vessel. And alternatively, if the medical procedure also does not work, you may even have to go for surgery where you go for coronary artery bypass. And remember, surgery has its own complications. So ideally, if you do not have a severe condition, the best thing for yourself to do is to make sure that you take adequate medication, lifestyle modification, and you make sure that you, your, your, if you have chronic diseases, you make sure that your chronic diseases are well controlled so that we prevent not going for surgery. However, if nothing else works, you, you can go for surgery where you can have coronary artery bypass. That's where they put in, you know, your, some, some, some patients refer to it as, you know, a, a plastic form of a blood vessel that helps improve the blood flow in the system. Okay, I'd like to share this, uh, the cardiovascular statistics for South Africa. The latest I could get was this study that was done by the Heart and Stroke Foundation of South Africa. I think you can see um, cardiovascular disease including heart diseases and strokes, is the leading cause of disabilities and death worldwide, accounting for 17 million deaths a year. Remember, we said that in our opening NAFET, 31 to 32% of the total global deaths. And up to 80% of cardiovascular-related premature deaths in young people, less than 65 in, in um, this is now in South Africa. 
according to WHO, they had looked at everyone who was less than 70. Uh, and, and these diseases are preventable through a healthy lifestyle, which I cannot repeat as much as I have. Healthy diet, regular exercising, avoiding smoking, and also drinking in moderation. Uh, it was once thought to be a disease associated with the elderly, but more than half of deaths occur before the age of 65. So this can confirm that it is not only a disease of the elderly. Premature deaths caused by cardiovascular disease in people of working age, this is now between 35 and 64, are expected to increase by 41% by year 2030. But I believe we have done our part as SAOPA and we will continue to do our part. We will continue to empower nations, we will continue to impact nations and make sure that we share the information and we empower our healthcare uh, community workers to go and assist the patients and to give talks, even in clinics, just for patients to know how to protect themselves, you know, the importance of self-care. Cardiovascular disease in South Africa is the leading cause of death after HIV and AIDS. More South Africans die of cardiovascular disease than of the cancers, all the cancers combined. Cardiovascular disease is responsible for almost one in six deaths in South Africa. 215 people die every day from heart disease or strokes. Every hour in South Africa, five people have heart attacks, 10 people have strokes, and of those events, 10 people will actually die from it. We've touched on the risk factors of high blood pressure. We said hypertension is the leading risk for death from cardiovascular disease. It is actually responsible for 13% of deaths globally. And of the various risk factors contributing to cardiovascular disease, hypertension has the largest impact. Hypertension is the leading risk factor for stroke in South Africa. It is responsible for one in two strokes and two in five heart attacks. So you can see from this that we really need to control our hypertensive patients. We need to stress the importance of taking good care of oneself. One in three South Africans, 15 years and older, have high blood pressure. Can you believe it? To add to these problems, more than 50% of people with high blood pressure are unaware of their condition. Of the people diagnosed with high blood pressure, only a third is on treatment. And of those, only a third has adequate control of their blood pressure. South Africa has the highest rate of blood pressure reported among people aged 50 and over for any country in the world at any time in history, with almost eight out of 10 people in this age group being diagnosed with high blood pressure. One in 10 children are already suffering from high blood pressure. This is really sad. We need to empower our children. We need to make sure that we prevent our kids from getting high blood pressure. Overweight and obesity is another one, my word. Uh, about two out of three women, 65%, and almost one in three men, 31%, are overweight or obese in South Africa. 40% of women are obese compared to 11.6 of men. One in 10 males have a waist circumference of 102, more than 102 centimeters, whilst one in two females have a waist circumference of more than 88. The waist circumference is a measure of abdominal obesity. Remember I said, I'm not gonna say which gender, but as you can see from this, you can see that it's mainly the men who have uh, increased abdominal obesity. And it is defined as a circumference of above 102 in males and 188 in females. Two thirds of adults appear to be happy with their weight 
and almost nine of 10 agreed that their ideal body weight was being fat. That's a study that I refer you to. Almost one in four children aged two to 14 are overweight or obese in South Africa. There's so much that still needs to be done. Overweight and obesity is significantly higher in girls than in boys. Overweight or obese children have an increased risk of developing these chronic conditions earlier in life and are more likely to remain obese throughout their adult life. Cholesterol, high cholesterol, one in four adults have high total cholesterol and low density lipoprotein cholesterol. And one in two have low high density lipoprotein cholesterol. In a national survey, only 4.2 uh, of these people who were tested were aware of their high blood cholesterol. So a lot of people are walking around with high cholesterol and they do not know. So this brings into, uh, into our discussion the importance of screening as people. We need not only say, I'm not sick, I never go to the doctor, but you know, if you have a screening, a, you know, a checkup once a year, especially once you reach the age of 40 and above, it would be important to screen and rule out any chances of chronic diseases. Diabetes, almost one in 10 adults are diagnosed with diabetes and almost one in five adults have impaired blood glucose control. One in two people do not know they have diabetes. Can you believe it? And well, we've spoken about tobacco use. I'm not going to elaborate on tobacco use because we spoke about that uh, last week, but globally nearly 6 million people die from tobacco. I can see I'm out of time. I'm going to wrap up soon. Uh, so we were saying globally, nearly 6 million people die from tobacco use or exposure to secondhand smoke each year. Smoking is the second leading cause of cardiovascular disease after high blood pressure. Physical inactivity in South Africa, over a quarter of men and almost half of women are physically inactive. One in three adolescents spend three hours or more per day watching TV, and only one in three adolescents participate in sufficient moderate intensity activity. So we still have a long way to go, but at least we've started somewhere. And um, unhealthy diet, we mentioned the importance of eating fruits and vegetables, the importance of minimizing salt intake, fat intake, uh, reduction in milk intake, overall in total increase in total energy intake. <coughs> Excuse me. Decreasing your alcohol consumption and, uh, you know, low fiber intake is also responsible for unhealthy diet. Hence, I said patients and, 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 and us, everyone actually, should learn to eat fruits with skin and some of the vegetables with skin. Almost one out of five adults consume a diet with high fat score and high sugar score. And out, one out of four consume a diet that is low in fruit and vegetables. So we need to get out there, Saopa, let's continue with this education platform. Uh, salt intake, I've seen a lot of people salt without even tasting their food. South Africa eats six to 11 grams of salt every day. This is double the recommended dose of five grams per day. More than half of South Africans uh, consume Salt from also processed foods, which contain hidden salts. And, and people don't take that into consideration. And it is really bad for us to add salt after cooking the food. We'll hear more about this from our expert. Um, and then uh, in South Africa, the top contributors to daily salt intake, I have to mention this, is bread of all types 
processed meat products, soup and gravy powders, meat and vegetable extract, hard block measuring, savory snacks, breakfast cereals, and the most common one, which is your acha. Okay, in conclusion, and thanks for bearing with me, I went overboard. If you're a person living with a cardiovascular disease, going back to what I said last week, you need to learn about your condition. You need to ask if you don't understand. You need to take pamphlets that are left at the clinics or doctor's rooms, hospitals as well. You need to think about why you are taking the medication before you can even decide to stop it. If it's making you sick, go and report before you stop it. If you are going to the clinic, you should still, excuse me, you should, you should still take your medication. This is now, you know, you've got, you sometimes get a patient who goes to the clinic in the morning, very early in the morning without eating breakfast. And they get to stay at the clinic for up to late afternoon without taking medication. When we examine them, the blood pressure is high and not knowing, you may keep the patient for longer and also adjust the treatment. But if the patient knows that I'm going to the clinic, I still have to take my medication, even if I'm going to the clinic, take a slice of bread, take your medication in the queue or wake up early, have an early breakfast. It is just for one day when you go for your checkup. So it is important to take your medication. Lead a healthy lifestyle. I cannot stress this more than what I've just said today. Take your medication as prescribed. We mentioned the importance of a double, a, a BD dose, meaning twice a day. We mentioned the fact that it depends on the, 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 the drug level in the blood. So if you have to take it once a day, take it once a day, almost the same time every day. If you take it twice a day, take it twice a day or three times a day. And finally, find a support group. Thank you. Hi there. Yes. Thank you very, 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 very much. Thank you very much. Uh, that was wonderful. Uh, I just would like to call on Cynthia. Cynthia, are you there, my dear? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yes, Let, yes. Let's... Thank you very much. Okay, thank you can you shut much. us down. Uh, yes, thank you very much, Dr. Putuka, for the wealth of information. Um, indeed, mm -hmm. I must say I've learned a lot, a lot. Um, you, you, you mentioned the fact that it's important for us to, you know, to know the kind of, you know, uh, conditions that uh, we, we are being confronted with, because without knowing, obviously, it's going to be difficult for us to, you know, to can, you know, adhere to treatment. I think the whole issue of adherence also was 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 mentioned you know on, on many of occasions very very much important very much important for us you know to do some lifestyle modification you know based on the information that you know the doctors you know are, are actually sharing with us i think i think also much as we there is sort of reliance on on medication you know, to cure some of the ailments that that, that we have there, there are certain things that we ourselves as people you know we can do you know to assist you know your your the, food, the kind of food that we are eating, you know, the exercises, you know, making sure that, you know, we continuously, you know, health screen and the numbers, you know, you spoke about knowing the numbers, our BP numbers, our sugar levels, the cholesterols and so forth. So I must be honest with you. I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm also, I've also learned a lot and uh, I'm, 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 I'm quite um, hopeful that, you know, with the information that you've shared, you know, to us, you know, um, we can go out there, you know, and, and be able, you know, to, you know, to practice, you know, or, or to make some uh, uh, modifications you know, into our lives. But also as caregivers, we can be able, you know, to support, you know, those who are, who, um, who, um, who have sort of entrusted, you know, their, 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 their lives, you know, in, in, in our care. And I think for, for us as Saopa, it's also good, you know, to hear that we are exploring you know, on other platforms, you know, to disseminate the information, the wealth of information that you guys continue sharing, you know, 
you 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 know you know your WhatsApp, you know the other platforms. So you, you guys must just be in the lookout, you know, for 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 for, for, the, for the for the information. I think um, on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to thank uh, Dr. Dr. Nolazi uh, and uh, on, on on the information that she has just shared, you know. Um, also, um, um, a word of you know a gratitude um, to our partners, uh, particularly the Department of Health, you know, um, our consortium um, uh, members, as well as the community at large. Oh, and to the healthcare workers, you know, who have attended previous, you know, uh, debriefing uh, uh, sessions, and who have con who are sort of con who are continuing, you know, to inspire, you know, the you know the Sahoba. You know, we, we we are really grateful. We are really grateful, and we are saying without you, really, there wouldn't be an organization called Sahoba. Till we meet again, good night.